For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome in to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonsSports.com for all your latest South Florida sports content. Of course, uh, we have some columns and stories up there about the passing of Don Shula. Also, check out the latest Three Yards Per Carry podcast where I went on with Larry Bluestein from Five Rings Canes and spoke to Alfredo Artiaga and Chris Kaufman about Shula's legacy in South Florida and in the NFL. Also check out our YouTube channel and, of course, our merchandise because there's just been an announcement. Tua is going to be wearing number one, but you can catch all get all the Tua 20 T-shirts and all the others, uh, Fat Tua's Day and everything else on our site. I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. And as we, we mentioned, we have many new sponsors, and actually we're going to even bring one of them on. Courtney Harris is going to be coming on the program here a little bit later, but one of the sponsors I want to introduce you to is the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. You can find them at bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. Bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. You know, a lot of people don't like to talk about bankruptcy, but it's one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. And the new stimulus package that came out was signed uh, by the White House after passed by Congress has made some important changes to the bankruptcy laws. So it's important to have a lawyer explain those changes. Don't just try to figure it out on your own. They've got payment plans and little to no upfront fees. And Gonzalez and Tybor can help you or anyone you know. If you're lucky enough to make it through this with no financial problems, chances are you know someone who isn't that lucky. Gonzalez and Tybor can help. Even before the pandemic, a lot of people were carrying a lot of debt, living paycheck to paycheck. Bankruptcy can give them a chance to start fresh. And here's the thing, it does not ruin your credit. In fact, most people see an increase of 100 to 150 points on their credit score within a year of filing. So here's the phone number. It's 954-LOCAL-678-8354. An attorney will answer your call. Again, it's 954-678-8354. Or the website Bankruptcy is good for you.com. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, aka Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. We've got Alphonse Sydney. We've got Alex Toledo. We're going to do something um, kind of off the cuff tonight a little bit. I, I did want to get to some news related to the NBA situation. We, we talked a lot in the last episode about the possibility of playing in Orlando, and I was feeling pretty good about that until I talked to two people who are you know, pretty heavily associated inside the league, and they both kind of nixed the idea to me today. They said that um, they're not anticipating a season. They're worried about next season, which I don't think anybody wants to hear. And the problems are, one, testing. Until there's widespread testing, there's not going to be any NBA basketball being played, even if there's no fans. And the other problem, and we talked touched on this a little bit on the last podcast, 
is that you may have to quarantine players for like six to eight weeks to play out the playoffs. <laughs> and that's going to be a hard sell. So I don't mean to start this one on such a downer guys, but it wasn't what I was hoping to hear today. I mean, I definitely was disappointed when, when you had first sent that to us, uh, you sent us the actual text and I was like, ah, oh, man, just, it, it was disappointing. Right. Cause like you mentioned, the Orlando thing seemed so reasonable reasonable and it's like well there you have it right like people who would know better are telling you oh probably not even though it seems like everybody is pushing for at least the playoffs to happen and it's like oh that's not gonna happen and we don't know when next season gonna start even though Wolves reported they're looking at December yeah maybe what you, what these guys are, t- are telling you is that's just an optimistic plan not not one based on any timeline yeah, I think a lot of this, Alf, is optimism. I, I, I think it's being prepared for the possibility, but I don't get the sense that everybody thinks the testing is going to be ready in time for them to do this. And, again, the Orlando ideal, which I like, and I think you like, we've all talked about it, but you do have to sequester players probably away from their families. Like one, I was talking to one agent today who basically said to me, look, every prominent player comes with 15 people. <laughs> Yeah, not, you know, it's it's not one or two guys. I mean, every, we're just thinking in the in the sense of the 15 players on the team, but it's the staff, it's the coaches, it's the executives, and then it's the families, and then it's the agents, and then it's the marketing people. And how do you decide who to keep away? And and so it does. The numbers start to get larger than they just appear on the surface. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's complicating matters is like you saw that new report about the um, the new projections for the amount of deaths because people were opening up too early, <laughs> which right. is which is counterintuitive. Uh, you know, the para- you, you keep seeing the memes, the parachute slowed my fall, so I'm going to take it off now, um, mid-descent. So, you know, I'm not trying to be on one political side or another here, but the fact that we are reducing social distancing standards is going to make it even harder because if there's a second surge, I mean, you're just going to push back everything they're talking about another four or five months. Mm-hmm. Where does that put you? That puts you almost in December. So it's uh, no, it, it does put you in December. And so now politics is directly affecting sports. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. no doubt. You can't stick to sports on this. That you just can't. And and then you know you have like the ultimate stick to sports buffoon. You know who's uh, Clay Travis. Every tweet of his is about sports. He just does. He just wants you to stick to sports when it's not his perspective. That that's basically how this works. We all know that. So every tweet of his and his tweet today was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen, which was he went he went out to dinner with his family in Florida yesterday and he's fine. We're all fine. I, I mean, it takes up to fourteen days to incubate. He's never heard of an incubation period, but I mean, it, is he just trolling? I mean, is he? Are these people just trolling? Absolutely and I'm trolling. Buying? Yeah. First of all, he didn't. I bet. I guarantee you, he didn't go out with his family, um, right? Because he's not stupid, and I mean, he is stupid, but he's not that <laughs> stupid. He, he must just, be north of Palm Beach County. Yeah, he's just get, he's just getting trying to get a rise out of people, and that's all it is, you know. And when we fall for it, and when they, but then then there's people that fall for it and say, yeah, you know what, I am going to take my family out, you know, and and it's just and it's sad because the people that are falling for this stuff and falling for this the fact that it's a hoax and it's fake news and and it's not a real thing and that it's it's overblown and we're all going to be fine, 
they're the ones going out there protesting and they're the ones that are not, you know, and the, usually they're not the ones that are in, in a great economic place to be mm-hmm. doing such a thing. And then they put the first responders and the police and like, I, I, you know, I feel so sorry for those policemen who have to st- stand there and get yelled at and spit in their face, you know, cause they're trying to protect the public health. So it's all fun and games when you're trolling on the internet, but there's there's people out there who would, will go out there and do stupid things. And to bring it back to sports, the fact that people are bound to the pressure of, of, of easing social distancing is why we're not going to have sports to the end of the year or early 2021 because there's going to be a second surge and we're just going to be stuck in the house even longer. And that's, again, why we can't separate the two things. I mean, and, and you know, look – the commissioner is navigating the political waters too, because it's not just what the white house wants or what uh, this, I guess the commission that's maybe shut down now by the end of the month wants. it's also what the various governors want. It's also what the various city officials want. It's, you know, can, can you play in one place, but not in another place? Now I saw the California is starting to open up, uh, which surprises me because they were one of the first to shut down. But Newsom has done a pretty good job out there. I think even even members of the other party agree on that. And so you're basically in a situation where maybe they are ready, but we don't know. And, you know, the NFL seems to be full speed ahead. I mean, they're they're putting out their schedule. This is typical difference between the NBA, NBA and the NFL, in my opinion. Like the NFL is all bravado. Like they're, they're putting out their schedule on Thursday. You know, they're, they're putting it out. And so that's going to get people all hyped that football is starting right around Labor Day weekend, that the real games are going to start. And that's going to be great until week three, right? When it's all called off. I mean, (laughs) that feels to me like where that's headed. And so I don't want to be so negative. And that's why the last couple of weeks I've been more positive because I've looked at it and I've said, okay, maybe there's a real chance here because everything was, you know, you were having these plans that were leaking about Orlando. I was talking to people inside the heat organization who seemed a little bit more encouraged but, yeah, I got slapped in the face today. I, I did because, you know, I, I one of the two people was like, we're not, we're not playing. He's, he's like, oh, th- this season's gone. Stop talking about this season, Ethan. Let's talk about next season. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I do think that there is, there is a way for it to happen. It's going to take huge sacrifices by a lot of the players, the coaching staff, the teams, organizations. But when you talk about the money that's involved, like sometimes the money outweighs everything, right? The sacrifices that it's going to take, like, yes, I'm going to have to be sequestered for six to eight weeks. And and then you're you're really only talking about the NBA finalists, that it's going to take that long. I mean, almost half the league is probably going to play four or five games and go home, right? And then, you know, as you go through the rounds, only the NBA finals teams are going to be the ones that are, you know, are locked down for, for almost two months. So maybe, you, you know, if you look at it, if you're LeBron and the Lakers, if you're Kawhi and the Clippers, if you're Giannis and the Bucks, do you say that it's worth it? You know, if you're, if you're the Hawks, right, do right, you say, right. okay, I'll take a week, or you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll right. take a week and, you know, I'll, I'll go get tested and, you know, play a few games, collect this check and go home. It, mm-hmm. th- that's what it, it really boils down to because the longer it goes – the less and less people are affected by it as far as the NBA is concerned. But well, that, that's it, true. That's, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's true. It's like a tube that goes down, and then essentially you're just – But, could, you, know, but like, could you imagine one person getting sick? 
Well, that's probably going to happen, isn't it? I mean, it has to. I mean, look what happened to Gobert. It has to. Happen. Right. It, it has mm-hmm. to happen, and then you have to wait two weeks for everybody. Everybody was around that person, and everybody was around the people he was. They were around to get tested, and it just again. I think we're all thinking this in the terms of we want it to happen. We're watching the NBA players all working out. Um, you know, the Heat have been very out there, very visible. Riley's done interviews. And so it, it feels like they're all holding on for something, right? They're trying to keep everybody around. But I just wonder what happens if the bottom drops out of this. Like I, I was told today there's no drop-dead date. There's still no drop-dead date for this is the point where – now. at one point I was told August 1st. Today I was told there is none. They're just going to let it play out, let it play out, let it play out, and then react and adjust. And, and so I, which is really all they can do, I guess. But the other number I was told, I was told again today, we've talked about this in the pod, that the magic number is 70 for these, what's called RSNs, what's related to TV. They got to get the teams to 70 games. And I, again, that, that's why you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks, right? Because then you got to start bringing back teams that are already eliminated from the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that, and that makes it really tough. Do you think they'll ever get to the point where they're okay with someone getting sick and going forward? I don't like, know. I mean, I, I, you know, I like know. if 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 it's a, the Lakers are playing, Danny Green comes down with COVID. Nobody else on the team has tested positive for it yet. Do they continue to play? Like that's where you have to be as a league, and you have to be okay with that. For the NFL to say they're going to play, you have to be okay with two guys on the Eagles having COVID nineteen being sent home and then continue to go play a football game. Right. Like and who's going to, and with that, it's a, not 15, man, it's 53 and there's more staff. That's what right? I'm saying. There's more coaches. So, uh, do you have the balls to do that? That's what I, <laughs> that's what I want to know. Like, and then all the players go to sign up for something like that because you can't start a season when as soon as one person gets the virus, you have to shut down the whole season. You you basically you just you might as well not start. You have but to. Be but isn't okay that basically, with- Alf? Isn't that basically what the federal? And again, I don't want to get into too much politics on this show. We're going to get into back to some basketball in a second. Right after the break, we're going to bring on our guest who's waiting. But if you take a look at what the government basically did today, that's essentially what they said. I mean, even Fauci came out and said we're going to have to live with a certain amount of death and risk now. And so, and even when I was talking to a doctor friend of mine. Um, you know, and he's not an epidemiologist, but, but he's pretty in tune to a lot of this stuff. And he's like, listen, we, we have to just get used to the fact this is going to be real life now. Like, this is something that everybody's going to have to live with. So I do think that's a societal judgment that's being made. Now, I don't personally feel we have the best person in charge to make those kind of judgments because I don't think he's making the judgments in the best interests of the American people. It's in the interest of his reelection campaign. But these are judgments that people are making and the leagues have to make them too. And the NFL is going to go full speed ahead. I think I, I just, that's what they are. Right? I just don't think the players will stand for it, but they may know, not, but the players association in the, in the NFL is, is not, is weak, is weak. Okay. And the NBA is a lot stronger and in baseball, it's stronger than both of them. They'll it's fill weak. out those, they'll fill, they'll fill out those rosters with guys who want to play. That's right. <laughs> Coronavirus I mean, or no. That's, I mean, they'll bring back the replacements from like the 1981 strike season. If they're available, like they'll get anybody they can. So anyway, it was Johnny football will be, uh, will J- be Johnny, Johnny Manziel. He, he, yeah. he will be exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we're going to get to some basketball here in a second. We're going to bring on our guest, uh, Courtney Harrison. He's going to introduce to you kind of uh, who he is and what he represents. And he's going to have some fun with us. Uh, so we will be right back. All right, now we're going to do something a little bit different on the podcast. You're used to me reading 
uh, ads and introducing our sponsors, but we've decided that we're going to start letting the sponsors introduce themselves because our sponsors are basically all from South Florida and you can get their products and you can visit their businesses in South Florida. And so today we've got, you are a Heat fan, Courtney, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, right? Absolutely. Huge Heat fan. All right. Huge Heat. That's what I thought. All right. So we've got Courtney Harris down here in South Florida um, and your, your business, and I've already sampled this. I'm going to get another one, is Christopher's Bakery. Tell people about it. Absolutely. So it's Christopher's Bakery. We're actually all online. So you can go to Christopher'sBakery.com and we're able to ship products all across the country and we can deliver um, right there uh, in South Florida, um, really Palm Beach, Broward County, Dade County. We'll drive and we'll meet you. Uh, the pandemic has kind of changed things for us a little bit, but we're still shipping things all across the country. We have cakes, we have uh, cookies, cupcakes, muffins, um, all sorts of things. We even do pies in the holiday time. And, you know, my name is Courtney, but it's named after my brother, Christopher. Um, he was born epileptic and he's, um, you know, unfortunately spent a lot of time at Nicholas Children's Hospital. And so um, we actually donate a portion of ourselves back to Nicholas Children's Hospital uh, and work with them for epilepsy research. And again, there's a discount with us too. Don't forget that. So it's, so you go to Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons, spell it out. I know everybody always has an issue with this because I, I always change it. Spell it out, five reasons, F-I-V-E. And then the code is five reasons also, also spelled out. Um, like I said, I, I got the one with the chocolate chips. I saved a little bit for my daughter. She ate the rest of it. I think I put that in Instagram. She ate the rest of that in one afternoon and went back for more. So, so definitely check that out. So again, Christopher's Bakery, and we're happy to have you with us. All right, guys, we're going to do this. I, the, two, the other two guys, Alex and Alf, I've sent these two. Um, Courtney's going to be totally blindsided. So that's fine. Okay, so because that's we're – That's not fair. <laughs> I think that's about right. I mean, that's how we treat the newbies here. All right, so – there's a Twitter account. There's, well, there's all kinds of Twitter accounts doing this thing called start one, bench one, cut one, because we're all bored. So it's basically picking three players that are somewhat similar in some way and deciding which one you would start, which one you would bench, and which one uh, you would cut. It's kind Ew, of Oh, cut, cut. I'm right, sorry. cut. Well, it's kind, of, it's kind of similar to... To F, marry, kill. F, marry, kill, right. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, did you see that the other day? That Sue Bird and... Uh, who's the other player? Are they... They got Jimmy Butler. Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, Megan Rapinoe. They got they got it. To, they got Jimmy Butler. Well, they had a funny quote too. They said, "Usually when you're on your iPod watching two lesbians, it doesn't look like this." Um, and so <laughs> Jimmy, 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 Jimmy got a kick out of that. But uh, and actually, I'm working on Jimmy for the pod. By the way, he's got nothing better to do. So I started working on that today. Uh, we should get him on Five Reasons to Drink. That'd be fun. Oh boy. We get, we'd all be in trouble. <laughs> so, there go uh, our credentials, by the way. Uh, yeah, probably. It might be worth it. If they never play it again, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so so they got it, but they got him to do F. Mary Kill with Spolstra, Thibodeau, and Brett Brown. And even Sue Bird and, and May Rapinoe knew Brett Brown was, was – he was killed. That's uh, so, so the other – but the other two – uh, it was decided between Tibbs and Spo, and he said he would Netflix and chill with Tibbs. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, Spo's the one. So I've been telling you guys that on the podcast. Like he spelled, he fell in love with Spo after week one when he tested him, and Spo pushed back, and that pretty much since then he's loved Spo. So um, I know the Spo lover, Spo haters are gonna hate that, but that, that's what it is. All right, so let's get to it. We're doing start one, bench one, 
cut one. And this is Primes, I think. This is what they're doing. So, again, the, the, we want to credit the Twitter account for giving us some entertainment. It's the Hoop Central. They've got about 300,000 followers on Twitter. Here we go. We'll do these quickly. All right, we're going to start. We'll start with uh, Alf, Alex, and Courtney, and then we'll go the other direction uh, for the next one. Clay Thompson, Prime Ray Allen, Prime Reggie Miller. Alf. You start Ray Allen because, um, I mean, they even show him in the Sonics jersey. Yes. <laughs> that guy was a monster. I mean, he wasn't just a three. He was a great three-point shooter, but he could do everything else. Uh, then you bench Clay because, I mean, Clay's one of the greatest shooters of all time. But he, I don't think he can do as many things as Ray can. And then, of course, you cut Reggie Miller. Um, <laughs> and I don't care how good he was as a basketball player. His post-career broadcasting has <laughs> completely taken him out of the running for me. I don't know if we can count that. Can we count that? I, I, yes, I that, you can. That, Reggie Miller is one of the few. You can. Him and Paul Pierce. That, that feels unfair. All right, Alex, you're up. Man, I was going back and forth on this, but now I kind of want to, you know, differentiate myself from Alf. So what I'm going to do is start Ray. We, we agree there. But I'm going to bench Reggie and cut Clay, man. And I love Clay. I'm a big fan of his. He's a better defender than the other two. But Reggie was out there as the first option, you know, being a killer. And Clay never had that burden, man. At least Ray had to do it. He, he was good at it. He, he was very athletic and I think uh, more skilled than the other two. Uh, and Reggie was uh, like, I don't think Clay could do what Reggie did. I think Clay is has always had the the luxury of being exactly in the role that he should be. Courtney, hi. For me, I, I kind of went back and forth. I grew up as a kid loving Reggie Miller, but you know, I'm with Alf. It, it, I can't just based off of today. Today, I can't go with Reggie. So we're gonna start <laughs> Ray because you know Ray, the, the shot, everything. We got it. I'm going to bench Clay, and really, it's because a couple of years ago, I started calling him. I nicknamed him future starting uh, shooting guard for the Miami Heat, Clay Thompson. So I'm going to stick with that, and I'm just going to keep up with that nickname, and I'll say Clay Thompson because I love that guy. I love his shot. I love his form. And then we'll cut Reggie, although it breaks my heart. I feel like Tyler Hero should be one of the three. I'm going with uh, Ray as the starter because people forget that Ray was a dynamic, not just shooter, but offensive player. Um, you know, th there's a name uh, for, for Clay Thompson in Golden State. They call him, they call him Clay Ups because he has the worst layup form of all time. Uh, Ray could score in a number of ways. To me, Ray's first, but Ray I'm going with the dunk contest. I, I know people that forget he was that. in the dunk contest. He was, he was now never, never the, never the defender that Clay was, but I, I'm going, I'm going with Reggie second. Uh, only because uh, I, I'm because of what Alex said. Clay's never had. I mean, Clay has had moments where he's carried the Warriors, but he's never been asked to do it consistently. He's always been able to kind of operate more in the shadows. Um, Reggie was everything for Indiana, even though statistically he's overrated. Um, but I was a Nick fan at the time, and if you're a Nick fan at the time, you have enough respect for oh. Reggie as a player. As a player. Uh, that to me, he's second on this list, and Clay is third. All right, so let's. Ooh, I, I'm sorry, so, sorry. I, well, I know that's. I'm sorry about that. All right, let's get to the next. <laughs> let's get to the next one. We'll go the other direction here. Uh, this one's for Courtney. Start bench cut. Again, this is prime. Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, John Wall. Who? Um, all right, I'm going to start Dame. Um, just. 
end of game situations alone have me starting game. This is tough. I love John Wall's playmaking. I love the speed, but I'm going to have to go with Kyrie on the bench and I'll cut John Wall. I mean, somebody that injury prone. I mean, the guy hasn't played in how many years now, um, at least, you know, effectively. I can't trust that. So we'll go ahead and cut him. Alex. This is really tough, man. Uh, I think I'm going to start Dame just because of what he's been able to do as the leader of his own team. I think that's just going to differentiate my choices here. I'm going to choose Kyrie over Wall just because I've seen Kyrie do it in the finals. He had, you know, maybe the, one of the best three-game stretches in NBA finals history, you know, when they beat the 73-win Warriors. Kyrie can't do it on his own. That's why I'm benching him. He got embarrassed last year by the Bucks, And I'm cutting John Wall just because, you know, the best that he could do as a leader of his own team was get to the second round. And I know it's just kind of simplifying it, but, but I guess I'm just using playoff success as a tiebreaker because I think all of these guys are comparable talents when they're at their peak. Alf, I'm starting Dame. Um, I think we all, I think we all kind of agree. Dame is just a monster. Like I love that guy so much. Like I, I want him on the Heat, but he'll never get here. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against the first two. I'm actually gonna bench Wall because we're talking about Wall's peak, and Wall's peak is one of the best uh, defend one of one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA. And the speed, and um, I mean, he, he the efficiency wasn't great at all at all times, but at his peak, it was efficient enough, and he was a great scorer. Um, I I hope one day he can get back to like eighty percent of what he was. I don't, I doubt it, but I hope, I'm hoping that he can. And unless LeBron James is babysitting Kyrie, <laughs> I don't trust him. Um, he seems to be a cancer everywhere else he goes. So unless um, LeBron James is on this team that we're, this fictional team we're creating. Um, I'm cutting Kyrie because I just I don't trust him, and I think he's a terrible teammate. Dame Lillard is an easy choice here. I, I don't I don't think there's any argument. I, the second one, I I don't think Kyrie would accept being on the bench, so I can't put him on the bench. I've got to cut him. Uh, so I'll go with I'll go with John Wall second. Um, I, I think I'm a little too close to this because I covered Kyrie for a couple of years, and I, I kind of know what he does to a team from the inside. And it's not great. Um, I think on pure ability, I would take him over John Wall. But I, the defensive argument makes sense to me. And I also think John Wall was a pretty good leader uh, at his peak. They, they got the second round players. It wasn't his fault that they didn't get further. He was that was a bad good. team. It was a, a really, really, really bad, bad team. team. Yeah. I, I Could you imagine the Wizards right now with the way Bill's playing if John Wall was healthy? Right. Well, if they liked each other, too, which was part of the yeah, well, that's but, 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 but that was another issue. All right. So we all agree on Dame. All right. Here's another one. Uh, reverse order this time. We'll go to Alf. So uh, I feel like Alex is always in the two spot. So this is no injuries. <laughs> no injuries. OK, this one makes me sad. Grant Hill. Brandon Roy. Penny Hardaway. Alf. This one's. Damn near impossible, man. <laughs> like this is like no matter what I do, I'm, it's gonna hurt my feelings. Um, because Brandon Roy, with no injuries, God, he was good. But I just didn't see enough of him. So with no injuries, I'm gonna say I'm starting Grant Hill, which hurts me because I love Penny Hardaway. Which was interesting. Nikias uh, Duncan was breaking down the Bulls magic series uh, from the first year Jordan came back and just 
to to see a young person like watching Penny Hardaway for the first time was just actually pretty damn cool. Um, so I'm starting Grand Hill because Grand Hill uh, was was going to be Magic Johnson if he never got hurt. Um, and then I'm I'm benching Penny Hardaway, and that is like one A one B for me because both those guys were amazing at the, when when they were fully healthy. And then I'm cutting Brandon Roy, and it makes me want to cry. Alex, man, I gotta say I'm almost pretty much at the same place as Alf, and I think I'm gonna go starting Penny over Grant. I'm not a hundred percent sure why, but I guess just because we saw more of Penny in his prime than we did Grant Hill. But uh, I think Penny would have been maybe, you know, the, the third guy in, in that pattern of, of shooting guards during that era, like basically behind Jordan and Clyde. I think Hill would have been an elite player, an elite wing player during that time. And I just don't think Brandon Roy had the skill set that the other two had. And I loved him as a kid, man. I was rooting for him hard in that 2011 season uh, versus the Mavericks. He had that one crazy game when he came back. But I, I love Brandon Roy as a player. He's really good. He's not, I don't think he was as good. As- All right. Um, so for me, I'm with you. It's a toss-up between Penny and Grant. I, I put Penny one um, for two reasons. One, because he's 6'7". And back then, in the 90s, he was, you know, that was sort of unprecedented size for a point guard. So he was sort of changing the game in a way that um, – we hadn't really seen outside of magic in that time before. And so for me, Penny is one. I put Grant two, and that's the other reason. I just grew up a Carolina fan, and so it's hard for me to put a big guy at number one. <laughs> that's just totally personal. And then um, three is Brandon Roy. I actually agree with Alf. Um, I just didn't see enough of Brandon Roy. Like, he also had size, and he was, you know, a crazy, crazy gifted player. But I, don't, I just didn't see enough of him. Um, at his peak to be able to put him there. So I'm, you know, starting Penny, benching Grant, cutting Brandon Roy. Yeah, I've got Brandon Roy third. And again, it's not meant in any disrespect because I, I think he could have had a Dwayne Wade level career, actually. Uh, I'm different type of player. Wow. I, I, th- I think he could have. There were moments where you saw it and, and he filled up a box score too. Like, there I mean, were he, flashes, man. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. He was really I don't good. think he was the same type of playmaker as the other two guys or as D-Wade. Well, that, that, that's the thing. And so this, the other one is really hard for me because Penny, I, I felt at one point, looked like he might be the best player in the game. Um, but I saw Grant up close at his peak and sentimentally I'm going to go with him because I was sitting courtside in the series where it all fell apart, where, you know, he's playing against the heat on an ankle he never should have played on. And they got swept out, uh, by a team captain by Anthony Carter and Grant tried to push his way through it and couldn't, and was never the same player after that. The other thing is, again, I know we're doing peaks here, but I felt like Grant recovered from the injuries to become more productive than Penny did, ultimately, uh, which makes me sad. I mean, we saw Penny in the Heat uniform. People don't like to remember it. Heat legend, Uh, Penny Hardaway. Yeah, it was hard to watch. (laughs) I mean, Grant Grant Hill, like, sort of carved out an eight- to nine-year career as a role guy, which was, uh, you know, just him putting his ego aside to do that after who he was, I thought was impressive. It's close, man, but I, I'm going to go. That was a locker room guy too, right? Like for oh, when he, he was, was he a veteran? Was the best. He was the best. I mean, he, Grant was the, Grant's one of the all-time people. I, I, I got lucky one day. I was in Orlando covering a game courtside. I think it was a preseason game during the Big Three era, and Grant just sat down next to me and was talking to me for 30 minutes about basketball like because we, we were really watching the game. And, I mean, he didn't really know me. I mean, he'd seen me before. I'd interviewed him, but 
Uh, it was a pretty cool experience. He's a really good dude, really good dude. Um, as is Penny, actually. Uh, and Penny's done really well afterwards, too, as is Brandon Roy. But I just, I, to me, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's Grant slightly over Penny. All right, let's get to the next one. We'll rotate it. We'll go to Courtney on this one. Start, bench, cut, primes. Curry, Harden, Giannis. All right, so I'm starting Giannis. I mean, first of all, we got to get the group seat down to Miami. But that size, <laughs> that that ball handling, just all he has to do is develop a shot, which I do believe will come. So we're starting him. Um, I am uh, off the bench. He can always get some threes for you. And then no one wants to watch, you know, 25 free throws a game unless it's a one way to no six. So I'll get rid of, of Harden. We'll cut him. Alex? Honestly, I feel like I'm going to be the only one to do this, but I'm cutting Giannis. And wow. Oh, so, you just killed the dream, man. He stayed in Milwaukee. Honestly, he signed with Dallas. He signed with Toronto. Well, listen, I, I do this just because I know for a fact Giannis isn't listening. Uh, if he was, I, I would, I would, uh, I would start. You don't him. know that. You don't know that for a fact. <laughs> you don't. You're assuming that. You I mean, we're all bored. He, he could just. Uh, he, he could be, you know, watching some type of YouTube stuff, uh, basketball, and you know, falls asleep, and this video ends up playing, and he hears it as he wakes up. You're losing your credential, Alex. You really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Giannis. We haven't seen enough of him yet. I do think once his, you know, we we see more of his career, I probably would end up putting him over Harden. Uh, like I would, I think he was a, the, the proper MVP last year. I, I, he would, he would have been my choice for MVP this season. I think he's basically the modern day Shaq in a way, right? He's more like a, a hybrid guard forward with the size of a center, but who is just, who is physically dominant just more than anybody in the same way that Shaq was. And he, I, I still don't think he's done as much as Stephen Harden have. I think Harden has just been so prolific. Has been maybe him and Durant and Curry have been the three best, the three most prolific offensive players of this generation. And I think and I think they've been historically great. You know, we all clown Harden, but he really he gave the Warriors a fight the last those last two playoffs, man. And they got to the conference finals. He hasn't been amazing in the playoffs. That's why you, you can't put him over Wade, but. Harden is a really damn good player. And so I'm going to bench him and I'm starting Steph because Steph is, you know, that was the easy one for me. I think Steph was maybe the best player in the league for a couple of seasons there. And probably the second best point guard of all time. Maybe third. Um, I'm For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm starting Steph because he's uh, probably top four or five most influential players of my lifetime. Um, he changed the game and at his peak, which I think which I think we discount. I feel like we act like we're not in the midst of his peak anymore just because he got an injury. I don't think Steph's going anywhere. Um, I think Steph's still uh, – I mean, when he gets back next year, I think he's going to kill people. Um, but I'm starting Steph. I'm benching Giannis. Uh, Giannis, Giannis, whatever you want to call him. Um, Giannis, he's a freak of nature. Uh, I love watching him play. He's unstoppable. Um, we, I think, I don't even know if we've seen his peak yet, and that's probably the scariest part about him. 
So at the the best Giannis we ever seen is 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 a scary monster, and he's not even he's not even at his prime yet. I'm benching um, James Harden for the reasons uh, <laughs> that were given earlier because nobody wants to watch him play. <laughs> I like I don't like I I say I don't even care if he helps my team win. I don't want to I don't want him on my team. I don't want to watch him play. I don't want to see that many free throws. I mean, we're in a fantasy world of basketball, and hopefully the fantasy refs won't call the bullshit fouls that he gets, but and then he won't be as effective. If, you, if he's on your team, though, in this fantasy, can't you not have Mike D'Antoni as your coach and have somebody else, and maybe they run a different game matter. plan, and Harden is just okay. infinitely more watchable? Okay. And we, really we, damn I mean, good. He, when, he was on, when he was on the Thunder, I mean, he was a, a, a okay player. But how do you I mean, even? Oh, cha- come how on, you, that doesn't but, count. But, but how do you even change his game at this point? Like there, there was a conversation uh, today that they may go after Thibodeau. I mean, how is that going to so. work? I, I mean, they're going to grind so. him into the ground, though. Like, and, and I mean, he. But I don't know that that Harden is going to conform to anybody at this stage. He's been doing it his way. I mean, they brought in Paul and Westbrook. He's still playing the same way. No, like, I don't. I don't guys. really agree with that, man. I think that's been, that's been what they wanted him to play this whole time. I think that's D'Antoni's whole thing is that I don't know, man. He watched you watch D'Antoni in Phoenix. You think he wants to play with Harden style? is Harden is Nash in, in this scenario, except they use Harden for even more than that because they use him as not only the main facilitator, but the main playmaker, the main scorer. And you know, Capella was basically their Amari. Now Westbrook is their Amari. Either way, Harden soaks up more of the usage. I think the I, fact that you said Harden is Nash makes me want to reach through this computer. And no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm saying, I mean, that, the ball was out of Nash's hands all the time. Like it, it's not. I mean, with Harden. I mean, but Harden averages like 11 assists for like four straight he seasons. Does after 23 seconds of the shot clock. Like I, I, I don't know. I, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not comparing the systems. I'm just saying he is. He is what Nash was. He, he, you know, a different version of it. At, like at a. A supersized version of it because they rely Alex, on Harden Alex, way more Alex, than Nash. They rely on. Do you Nash. know what the name the name of the book about the Phoenix Suns was? Do you know the name of the book? Uh, what seven seconds or less, or <laughs> four seconds or less? Right? What was it? Or maybe we were right. Maybe it was seven. And seconds they all or less. said they all said that was bullshit. By the way, all all, all those people that were involved with those teams said that <laughs> okay. they actually James heard Harden is twenty three seconds or more. I, I I don't know. I I just. I'm not I even talking about the systems, though. I'm talking about the fact that they're the linchpin. They're the playmakers, except Harden is relied on for way more than Nash was relied on as far as scoring. All right, I'm going to answer this one really quickly. Uh, Curry, Giannis, Harden. And, uh, you know, and I think Curry, Giannis may ultimately be one, but I, I agree with Alf. I, I, like, we've forgotten about Steph Curry, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you have to adjust your entire game plan to him. Like it's, and, and you do to Giannis also, and Giannis is a better defender than Curry. But I, I just think Curry's done it longer. And I think uh, what Curry provides, Curry creates even more matchup issues than Giannis, to me. Like, with Giannis, we've seen it. Like, if you have a defender like Bam, you can slow him a little bit. There's not many like Bam. But with Curry, like, there's literally nothing you can do. Like, if, if he's on, like, he's going to shoot from 35 feet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference who's guarding him, like, unless it's the finals. So, I, I'm, that, that's the direction. He's making it easier for everybody else, too. Yeah, it, to me, it's Curry. All right, this one, this to me was the hardest one of all of them, all right? So I think we start with Alf on this one. Start, bench, cut. Prime Shaq, prime Akeem, prime Kareem. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Oh, my God. Um, I have to go... 
the funny thing is, I, I was going to say I have to go with who I saw play, but I've seen them all play because I'm old. Um, but the problem is who I saw play the most. Well, you didn't see Kareem play in his prime, though. I didn't. I saw older Kareem, who was yeah. still pretty damn good. He which was, is but shocking. But he wasn't. He wasn't. The, I mean, he wasn't Luau Cinder Kareem, though. Like that's that's a different. That's a whole prime, different beast. Prime Shaq is the most dominant player I've ever seen. Um, prime Shaq, if he could hit sixty-five percent, seventy percent from the free throw line, they would have had to change the rules of basketball because they just wouldn't be. He'd score forty-five points a game easily. Um, because the only way to stop him was to wrap him up and foul him. But I also saw pro, uh, an older Hakeem give Shaq the business. Like, yeah, every <laughs> on time. The, on many occasions. <laughs> every time, yes. And uh, Prime Hakeem was a better, and I'm not even saying close, a far better defender than Shaq was. Um, and still the same, and still a pretty close offensive player. Prime Kareem, uh, they actually did have to change the college rules because of him, because he was such a badass. Oh my God, this is hard. Um, can I pass? I will come back to you, Alex. Who do you like? <laughs> Honestly, I'm glad that Alf talked so much there because I was just pouring through their best seasons on Basketball Reference right now, and it's so hard. Like it's almost identical. They're they're like their primes are. We're just so dominant i think i'm gonna go kareem uh, yeah. to to start i think kareem is a top three player of all time i have him there with lebron and, and and michael uh i think kareem was so good in all parts of his in of his career so productive lasted for so long was the ultimate two-way player as and two-way big man which mattered so much more back then and even here it has the highest win shares per 48 by the way we want to talk about modern analytics compared to you know the other two I think the tiebreaker here, for as far as if I'm going to cut Shaq or Hakeem, this is really tough, man. I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going Hakeem. I think I'm going to bench Hakeem and cut Shaq, even though I, I would probably put Shaq higher on my all-time list. I think Hakeem did as much offensively as Shaq, was just as dominant. Uh, had a higher assist percentage, by the way, than Shaq by a decent amount and was so dominant defensively. You know, won those two titles the, the, in the two years that Jordan was gone. Shaq didn't do that by himself, you know. Uh, I, I know the Rockets had a great team, but didn't they win as a seventh seed for one of those titles? Uh, they were sixth seed. Yeah, they were sixth yeah. yeah. That first year, they would have beat the, the Bulls, even if they did have Jordan, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Funny you were talking about that. I was telling my friends that I don't think they would have won eight in a row if, if MJ never left to baseball. Hell no. They weren't beating the, they were beating the Rockets, that Rockets team. They it's not, not even that. It's just like eight in a row is ridiculous. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, it's also impossible. impossible. It's impossible, yeah. Unless the you're highest the, levels? Like, come unless on. you're the Celtics and playing uh, – Roofers and plumbers, but that's <laughs> if it was a team to do it, it would be that. All right, so that's that. where that's where you're going. All right, so Courtney. Ooh, all right, um, so I'm going Kareem one. Um, just to me, the tiebreaker with Kareem is just he had an unstoppable shot. Like, and that shot it, it goes across generation. Like today. 90s, 80s, 70s, he could get that shot off. And so I think that sort of elevates him for me. Um, when, I, when I'm when i thinking about Shaq or Hakeem, 
I'm thinking about sort of at the beginning of his Lakers career, Shaq versus two titles for King. Shaq could get any shot. He could just back you down and he could do whatever he wanted in the paint. But the tiebreaker ended up sort of being defense. And for me, I'm thinking Hakeem wins that one. And and he also has an impossible shot. Um, and then when I'm thinking about defense, I'm thinking about even later in Shaq's career, you know, just because it's been on TV recently and they've been replaying these championship games, I think about Shaq almost essentially being pulled for Zoe in game six in 2006 because Zoe was just so much better. Energy, defense, all of that um, to seal that series. And to me, that's a theme throughout Shaq's career. Like if he wasn't dominating in the paint, he at times could sort of be useless in, in every other area. So to me, Fakim wins that one. So I'm going to start Kareem, then Shaquem cut Shaq, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going the same direction. And uh, that comes with the acknowledgement that, that that Shaq, early 2000 Shaq was a monster. But I just, it, to me, it, it's Kareem first, by the way. It's, it, it, I mean, uh, you can make a case for Akeem, I think, but I don't think it's a good case. I, I just think, you know, if you think about Kareem's prime, he was the best player in the NBA. And, and so it's hard to make an argument against that. Now, Akeem was briefly, I think, there was a little period of time there again when Jordan was gone and he did win MVP. You know, he beat David Robinson in a playoff series when Robinson won the MVP. But to me, it just comes down to uh, sort of basketball intelligence. Not that Shaq wasn't intelligent, but I just feel like Akeem always outsmarted him when they played together. Like he always found ways to get off the shot. He always found ways to frustrate Shaq. And typically, he found ways to win. And so I'm going with Akeem second and Shaq third. And uh, I don't feel great about it, but that's the direction. Is it, Alf, is that what you decide on? <laughs> it's hard, man. Like, it's, it's just so hard. Like, honestly, Prime Shaq, because we're talking about peak, right? We're talking about yeah. peak, peak. And yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Peak Shaq was the most dominant force in the NBA for three straight years, could not be stopped. If you look at what he did in the finals those years, like, I mean, he was averaging 34, 33 yeah. points a game. And as much as we talk about him being schemed off the floor, he was not schemed off the floor in those finals. Because when they played Hack a Shaq at the most pivotal, pivotal times in the biggest games, he hit his free throws. So because of that, I'm starting Shaq. Okay. And that's it's, it's mostly because it, this is all just biased because – Honestly, you can make intellectual arguments for all of them. So this is just my bias and because that was my favorite player at that time. Um, and then I'm benching Hakeem just because I there was there was one guy in the 90s before Shaq came around that I used to love watch play. And uh, Hakeem was probably – I mean, there was a few guys and Hakeem was probably at the top of that list. And then I'm putting Kareem last because I didn't see Kareem's peak. But I know I used to I've read at least three different books about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just because of what he the guy he was off the court more than um, the player that he was because I just respect him so much as a person. So I've read about him. I've read about his dominance. I mean, he's he was amazing uh, at every single level, which is which is a crazy thought when you think about. I mean, did he lose one game in four years at UCLA? Is that what it was? I think it was one. Yeah. Yeah. It was one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? Hey, he didn't like, lose much. He didn't lose much in the pros either. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm did. saying. So it, I'm I'm going to cut Kareem, but that's only only that's, because I didn't see his prime. 
the only wrong opinion we've had tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think I think Kareem needs to be on at least at least at least on your bench or a starter. But I understand it. All right, let's go to the next. Oh, that one. was just all emotional. That was all emotional. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I, we we got two left. All right, here's this one. Uh, I feel like this is going to be an emotional decision too. Start yep. one, bench one, cut one. Prime Dwight Howard, prime Amari Stoudemire, prime Chris Bosh. Uh, who wants to go? Mm-hmm. Courtney, you're up. All right. So you said Amari. Boss Dwight Howard. Oh, I am going to start. I mean, this sounds like a homer, but I can start Boss two-way player defense, which honestly, before he got to Miami, I didn't realize just how great defensively he was. Uh, well, he didn't so, realize how great defensively he was, Courtney. He, I mean, he's well, he's he's readily acknowledged that he was not a good defensive player in Toronto. I mean, he, he well, bought in, but they made it. They made him that, which he became. So that's to his credit. Then that's, that solidifies my point. So if I'm considering his peak to be uh, 2010 to 2014, I'm going with Bosch starting. And then, honestly, I'll take the white on my bench. And I'll cut Amari just for the defensive prowess. Not because I like him, because I I don't like Dwight Howard in any way. But defensively, to me, he was a monster. Alex? So I agree with that last point, except I'm putting Dwight as my starter. I think Dwight in his prime, even though I wasn't as big of a fan. Like, I I actually rooted for the Magic in those couple seasons uh, when the Heat were getting out in the first round before they got LeBron. I was rooting for the Magic to beat the Lakers and to beat the Celtics and the Cavs, by the way. So I like Dwight, but I was always a bigger fan of Bosch and Amari. And I think those are the two that I had a hard time choosing between. And looking over their numbers now is so identical. Bosch's best years in Phoenix. I mean, uh, in Toronto and Amari's best years in Phoenix. The only thing that separates them is Bosch's playmaking. His assist percentage was higher. And that's really going to be my tiebreaker here. Because you could say, you know, you could give it to Amari for the playoff success. But I think that's just because he was part of one of the best teams of that whole generation. Bosch definitely never had that luxury. Uh, in in Toronto and then proved himself as a winning player, as a winning two-way player in Miami. So I'm going to bring Bosch off my bench, cut Amari. Alf? Um, I'm actually going to agree with Alex. Uh, prime Dwight, peak Dwight was <laughs> phenomenal. Like, he should have been the MVP in 2000, uh, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Best defensive um, player of a generation other than like Kawhi or, or Draymond. Yeah, and, and that's why when people say, it, it, ask a silly question, is Dwight a Hall of Famer? Shut up. Yes. Dwight, yeah. What is he, a three-time defensive player of the year? In a row. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Is he a Hall of Famer? He is a Hall of Famer. Like, Pete Dwight is uh, an amazing basketball player. The back injuries killed him. Um, and then after that, uh, I was actually leaning towards Amari until I started listening to Alex. And one thing I'll say about <laughs> one thing I'll say about Amari, um, Amari benefited a lot from being Steve Nash's teammate, a lot, right? Even when he was on the Knicks, um, he was dominant. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. It's hard. Does he get just, to that stage where he can do that by himself if it wasn't for his era, his point? I don't think so. I think, I think there's a lot A lot of what Amara is was created by Steve Nash. And I think Bosch had to make his own road in Toronto. 
And then he had to put up the kind of numbers he did in Miami as a third option. Like Amari, Amari's never had to be a third option, at least not during his peak. So for for Bosch to do what he did as a third option and then also carry that really bad Raptors team to the playoffs um, the year he did, averaging uh, averaging a double-double, I really have to I, – I would give the edge to Bosch and, and you then know what, I would cut Amari. You know what I just thought about right now too? The two seasons after LeBron left when Bosch was still just balling as the first option yeah. the same way that Amari was with New York in, those, in that season and a half or whatever it was when he was in his, in his prime still – Bosch proved himself as the first option, and they were a winning team. I, I just, I, to, to me, I think that, and Amari had that, that blip in 2010, 2011, where he was an MVP candidate for a little bit. So it wasn't just Nash, and he was doing it on the biggest stage in New York, but I just don't, as a defender, he's not close to the other two. He's just not. I mean, he, he has to be in the right system, and, you know, the injuries hurt him. We're, we're thinking of, of prime Amari. But to me, he's clearly third here. I, the, the conversation is between Dwight and Chris, and I'm going to give it to Dwight because, it, I, like, Chris was never a top five MVP candidate. Dwight was. Um, and that, that's to me, is a very simple argument there. Now, I don't know if Dwight would have fit quite as well in his prime as a third option like Chris did because Dwight sort of had a preference for where he wanted the ball and all that, even though he wasn't particularly good as a post player. So I think Chris Bosch was a more flexible player, was a better fit to play with LeBron and Dwayne. Some might disagree with me on that. Um, I think Dwight, we saw this past year, has sort of accepted what he is now. I think if he had accepted it a little bit earlier in his career, he would have been greater. Uh, but I'm going with Dwight first and, and with Bosch second. All right, last one. Last one. This one is, is really hard. Isn't there really, two more? Oh, two more. We could do the second one too. Yeah, all right. So let's get through them a little quicker though. This one is really hard. Start bench cut. Charles Barkley in his prime. And I feel like there are people who hadn't seen him in his prime until they watched Last Dance on Sunday night. Like, I feel, I feel like there are people who just think of him as the fat guy on, on, you know, making jokes and hammering people on TNT and don't realize, like, I mean, he wasn't just a good post player. Or gonna, I mean, he was running the break, hitting threes on the in transition. Like, he was elite. Carl Malone and Dirk Nowitzki. Alf. Um, hmm. I'm definitely starting Charles. Um, I wasn't, I'm not one of these people who just found out Charles is dominant. I remember that Phoenix Sun season and I, I remember thinking he, uh, he was the best player in basketball that year. Uh, he, that's the year he won the MVP and no disrespect to Michael Jordan, but I mean, he was just, I mean, unstoppable and phenomenal. Like just, and even you go back to his Sixers year. So yeah, peak Charles Barkley was a monster. Now, for me, Malone and Dirk are harder because um, I think what people are going to say Malone was a better defender. Uh, Malone wasn't a good defender. Uh, he wasn't an elite defender. Uh, but he was a better defender than Dirk, but not by – I don't think he was by that much because uh, Dirk's size alone just uh, created uh, more a lot of problems. But, I mean, Malone had – the LeBron James body before the LeBron James body was even a thing. Like nobody could even think of a player that big, but I will actually go with Dirk for versatility over Malone. So I'm going Barkley, Dirk, uh, Malone, Alex. This one's tough, man. Uh, obviously I didn't see the careers of two of these guys, but I've been a basketball nerd for long enough now. Or I feel like I've watched a decent amount of tape on them and, you know, I've heard about him or read about him. 
long enough. I'm looking at these numbers right now, and you know, I'm just using the numbers again as a tiebreaker to actually have some data to use. You guys actually watch these guys for their, most of their careers. But I think I'm going to agree with off. I'm going to start Barkley. I think he was the most skilled of the three. I think he didn't have a Stockton next to him to really maximize his, uh, you know, his role in, in the NBA to have an extended period of time as as a contender like the Jazz were. I don't I don't think the Suns had that type of uh, longevity, right? Well, they had KJ. Uh, I mean, that was a really damn good team, but I mean, nobody had the longevity of Stockton Malone. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, that's a tough comparison. And honestly, to me, the, the tiebreaker will be, I mean, uh, you know, the, the tough one will be between Malone and Dirk. I'm going to have to bench Carl. I really don't want to do this. You know, <laughs> we're supposed to not like Dirk and all that. I, I'm a fan of Dirk's game. I didn't like him when I was a kid. I'm, I'm a fan of his game now. I think he's amazing. He's, you know, one of the best offensive players we've ever seen and still not as prolific as Malone was. And, you know, again, Malone, I think, had a higher, had a, had a longer period of being on one of the best teams in the league where Dirk was always on good teams, but they were only really contenders for, I don't know, less than a handful of seasons throughout his career there. And Malone is what, still the second Dirk greatest won, scorer of all time? Dirk yeah. won like 60 games, like 10 years in a row. What are you talking <laughs> about? No, that's the Spurs. They won 50 a lot of times. <laughs> 50, I'm talking about, I'm talking about actual championship contention where, like, you know, the, the, the elite teams. I think uh, he did it. Malone he did had it that as many times thing. as Malone did. He did it as many times. I mean, I mean they, I'm not trying to argue. I mean, there's, it's really not a right answer, but. I think you're kind of discounting uh, what Dirk did in Dallas a little bit, which is okay because I, I just think Carl Malone. I like to discount what Dirk did in Dallas too. It's fun. <laughs> to me, to me, like Dirk's greatness is all about his offense and his leadership and his longevity. And Malone has all of that stuff, except he also has again the numbers of the married a thirteen year old. He yes. married a thirteen year old girl. So we're talking you know. straight basketball here. Al. <laughs> that's why. That's why I said I didn't want to do this. <laughs> But uh, Malone after, hired after, Dirk's always been about the culture too, so that's he that's has been of, about the culture. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Malone had you know higher assist percentage, higher rebound percentage, better defensive win shares. Uh, so I'm going to take him over Dirk, second greatest scorer of all time, no by 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 straight totals. Mm-hmm. I'll take him, Courtney. All right, I um. This one actually isn't as tough for me, even though as a Heat fan, I'm sworn to hate the Mavericks and Dirk. Um, you know, for me, I'm cutting Carl Malone. And the argument is sort of similar to the argument you made in the last one for or, for or against Amari. Um, to me, I, I sort of look at that system and Jerry Sloan and the pick and roll and wonder how much Carl Malone benefited from that. Like, I'm certainly somebody that remembers Charles Barkley Watching Charles Barkley, I loved Charles Barkley as a kid. It was amazing what he did at his size. Um, so for me, that's an easy start. And then, you know, it's, it could be a toss-up between Dirk and Carl Malone, but for me, I just sort of wonder, just like Amari with seven seconds or less, you know, how much of that pick-and-roll system did Carl Malone benefit from? And for me, Dirk carried more of a load, more of a load for a longer amount of time. So that's my bench. Yeah, uh, Charles starts for me. I don't think there's really any debate about this. I mean, he he played with good teams. I I don't you know until the Philadelphia thing fell apart. But and he played that Phoenix team was pretty damn good. If if you watch them the past, they've been on NBA TV a couple times the past couple of days. I mean, you know Marley and Hornacek and Kevin Johnson and 
Cedric Sabalos and Richard Dumas, like that was a pretty damn good team. He had, he had pretty good players around him. But with all that being said, uh, he didn't have the consistency of one guy with him running pick and roll for all those years. Um, I respect Carl, but I always viewed Carl as more of a compiler than a dominant player. Um, Dirk, wow. t- Dirk, t- no, I mean, look, he's not a compiler in the truest sense because like, he compiles <laughs> a pretty, but I'm just saying like Dirk to me, like, I mean, some of the teams he played with in Dallas were not very good. And he did play next to Steve Nash and Jason Kidd though. He did. Won a he, title with Jason Kidd. He did win a title with Jason. Okay. With very old limited Jason Kidd. Okay. Now Nash is, <laughs> Nash is another story, but, and Nash sort of got unleashed towards the end of the Dallas tenure. But even with that being said, like they, they didn't have the pieces around him necessarily. Dirk to me, um, we talk about guys who were sort of unguardable and I know Udonis Haslam and James Posey might argue with this. But Dirk could be absolutely unguardable. I, I still feel like if in the modern game, if you sent a double to, to deal with Carl Malone, I feel like you could get away with it. With, with Dirk, I'm not sure it would matter. Uh, I'm going to go, go Dirk second. All right, this is the last one. You said you DA him. What's that? You just saying you DA him, and that's it. That, that's it, exactly. All right, I'm gonna, this one, <laughs> I, just, I don't want long explanations. I want just your first reaction when I give you these, okay? And I, I assume this, is, this one's a little more complicated because – it's historic duos, but I don't think it's prime. I think it's when they played together. So this may affect mm. you a little bit. That's important right? to know. Yeah, because that affects one of the three here. Yeah. But, let's, <laughs> but, 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 let, but let's go with we've got Jordan and Pippen, Shaq and Kobe, Magic and Kareem. First reaction, Alf. This one's easy. It's already in order. Yep, um, and the only and the only reason is because Kareem was not in his prime, and also Kobe was not actually in his prime either, which is like which is kind of it's mind boggling because they did had a three peat, but you got to think of the two guys that were actually in their primes won six, so it's uh, and the other two guys I think Magic and Kareem only won four together. The fifth one was Kareem still there. Um, if he no, was, well, it was an no, unlimited role. No, no, they only went there. three together. Yeah, he, yeah, they went three, right? He, he was there, but then Magic got there without him and lost Jordan. No, right? I he mean got, Magic won five. Okay, so, but so did Kareem only went three with Magic? That's what I'm thinking. Did I don't think Kareem no. was there for all five. I, I'll have to check on that. That doesn't. I, sound I, right. I, I, who, who, who would Magic have won with without Kareem, though? That's what I don't understand. I mean, Worthy and Byron Scott. I mean, he did have. He yeah, no, no, but no, but who would have been Michael the center Cooper, on that team? Because no, but Divac didn't came after. Divac never won. Hold but I mean, but quickly, yeah, it's 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 already in order just because, like I said, Kobe wasn't in his prime, and Kareem definitely wasn't in his prime. So. It's it's Jordan Pippen, Shaq, Kobe, and then uh, Magic Kareem. Alex. So I'm going to completely agree there and almost for the exact same reasons because of what you said to, to, to start it off. They didn't play in their primes together because otherwise Magic and Kareem probably would be the best duo of all time. <laughs> I mean, I, I would think so. But I'm looking it up here. Yeah, he won championships all the way up until 88. Yeah. So he was on most of those still. He was on all again, of them. He was on all. In a, he was oh, in yeah. a limited role in that last one. I that's what I remember. Oh, because he wasn't, and he wasn't in the the ninety one versus uh, versus Jordan. That's no, for sure. no. But they, but they lost though. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I'm saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying to you know figure it out in my own head. But 
Yeah, I'm still going to agree. I think Jordan and Pippen, because of being undefeated in the finals and just being a perfect, perfect duel, didn't even really have issues with each other. I'm going to start them. Uh, bench Shaq and Kobe, because even with the issues, they were just so dominant when, when, when they were hitting. And I think that could have kept going for another that could have kept going for another two, three, four years, depending on, you know, how, how much Shaq committed himself to, to his shape. And then I'm going to cut Kareem and Magic just because of uh, them not being in, the, in their primes together. Courtney. Similar to LeBron and Wade, by the way. Yes, or True. LeBron and Chalmers. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I agree. All the reasons, you know, laid out are perfect. The only thing I'd add is that, you know, even when Magic and Kareem are together, when Kareem gets hurt, Magic starts at center and they, you know, still wins. So, like, he, he's fine. He can, he can be all right without Kareem and small start. <laughs> to be honest, the, uh, the duo was actually Magic and Worthy, but, you know, that's not yeah. a, that's a, yeah. that's a conversation. I mean, you're right. That's yeah. a conversation for another time. And Kareem and Jerry? <laughs> uh, Kareem and yes, Jerry. Yes, actually, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, Wilt, Wilt, Wilt and Jerry didn't win, right? Wilt and no, Jerry I don't think win. so. Oh, wait, did they win that one? Didn't they? Or did they win one? Because Jerry, Jerry won one, right? That is that, Wilt that won two, the, didn't he? Yeah. Well, Jerry won one. Well, I mean, we can look that up. Uh, you know, Cordy, I'm with you. I, to me, this is this one is easy. I, I it's, I mean, I, I think we're being reintroduced to the greatness of Scottie Pippen during this. Uh, You're right. Jerry only won one. Will won two. Yeah. I, I just think I think with with Scotty, I think people have forgotten like what he was. I mean, I even just watching some of the clips. I mean, not not even the conversations about it, but his ability to handle on all spots on the floor. Uh, his ability to elevate the defense, I, you know, he was a perfect complement. Now, Shaq and Kobe, I think you could argue at their peak peak uh, when Kobe was playing at his highest level with him, which I, I saw a little bit in that Indiana series. I covered that finals. He, he was, they were unbelievable together. So you but covered Shaq's peak. I covered, I, I, was, I covered all of his finals wins. I was at all, I was uh, oh, Philadelphia. Man. Uh, Philadelphia. How have you not talked about this more? No more. We we don't hear. We well, don't hear no. It, I mean, he was remarkable. I mean, but but I also was that the Indiana series was Kobe's breakout series. There was there were the two games that Kobe carried them, including the overtime game. That was his breakout series. That's when it, things started to turn a little bit mm-hmm. towards him. But I mean, they were you know they were a rock star team. Like they were the Heatles before the Heatles. But I, I think that when you look at what Scotty and Michael did together, there's no comparison. Magic and Kareem, again, I remember all of Kareem's championship years. I was a kid, and I followed them all the way up through sort of adolescence. And Kareem was really reliable, but, I mean, again, it was about the one shot he had. And, but it was really more, like you said, about Magic dominating. That team turned over to Magic, and then when it turned over to Magic, it became more about Worthy because it became more about transition. It's amazing to me that a Showtime team had a 40-year-old center dragging <laughs> up and down the floor. I, it's just, I, I mean, I, when you think about that retrospect, it, it's remarkable. And you're like, uh, why, why could Whiteside do it? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was I mean, you, you, you think about it, I mean, it's a little bit genius. I mean, look, Riley borrowed a lot of principles from his predecessor and from others, but it's kind of amazing if you think about it. And maybe having magic makes this seem easier. And Westhead had experimented with it before, but you have a guy like Kareem, and you don't just say, hey, we're just going to throw the ball into the post every time and run skyhook. You know, I mean, that's basically you know, have him put up a skyhook and to actually put the ball in Magic's hands when, when Kareem wasn't getting back or up, 
uh, was was a pretty great thing to do. But Magic and Worthy two on four was still a basket, so it didn't. Under un, Kareem underrated outlet passer though. No, he was excellent. He was excellent. People talk about uh, Kevin, Kevin Love esque. Yes, uh, no, he, no, he, he was excellent, and Byron Scott was excellent too. We're gonna talk about a compiler like Kevin Love. Kevin Love is a compiler. <laughs> Kevin Love is a compiler. All right, so so we so we agreed on most Those of these. rebounds disappeared in Cleveland. Uh, they did, yeah, as did a lot of other things. Uh, but Courtney, tell us again. So Christopher'sBakery.com backslash five reasons. And what, then uh, coupon code five reasons. You spell it out. Spell it you out. You know, our specialty product is a vanilla wafer cake. Um, you can get all sorts of ingredients in there. It is phenomenal. Uh, I really appreciate the support, and I appreciate you all um, having me on and allowing me to talk about it. Again, it's Christopher'sBakery.com backslash S-I-V-E reasons, R-E-A-S-O-N-S. We appreciate you having better takes than Alex or Alf. Have a great you know night. What? The bar is low. The bar is low. The bar is low. Never okay, been lower. I'll pod with you tomorrow night, Courtney. All right, thanks, guys. Right. Appreciate everybody joining us. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.